Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Just go to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. Now for today's episode, we're excited to welcome Connor Smith. Now he released his debut EP in January, but he is far from a newcomer on the country music scene. They say that Nashville is a 10-year town, and although he's only 21, he has actually lived out his 10 years in Nashville already. It began with songwriting around the age of five. He signed with BMI at the age of nine, signed his first publishing deal at 16, and has been well on his way to a career in country music ever since. So please enjoy our conversation with Connor Smith. The EP has been out for a couple of weeks now, January 14th, I believe it dropped. So what has it been like? Have you felt a change or because you've been doing this so long, does it just feel like the next progression within your career? Man, it, uh, it's been a massive change. I think, I think, uh, I put a little thing on my Instagram yesterday because I was just so grateful um, for what has happened in the last two weeks with the reaction. I mean, as a new artist, you put out this, you put out your debut project and you have no idea what to expect. Um, and really it was just these six songs that I was like, I, look, I like these songs. I, I, I'm confident. I'm proud of these songs, but there was really, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't think much beyond that. And so to have people not only like accept the songs, but love them and share them and, uh, and tell their friends about them and, and what, like watch the songs kind of become a part of their lives. And um, I, I asked on my Instagram yesterday what their favorite song was, and it was just split so evenly between every song. Right. And it was like, man, this is a, this is, is special to see. And um, I got, it was funny. I got, uh, I got a couple of hate comments. The dude uh, DM'd me. He said, he said, I'm a big fan of your music uh, or I'm a big fan of you, but I hate, I hate your new music. You need to go back to your roots. And I was like, dude, this is my first project. What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, these are like these are my roots. I don't know. But other than that, it's been phenomenal response. <laughs> well, it feels like within the musical realm as a musician, it feels weird because there's this thought that if you stay the same, then there's fans who are like, well, you have to evolve as an artist, give us something different. But then if you give them something different, there's this other facet of fans who say, why are you changing? And so is that a difficult thing to balance? I had that exact conversation uh, yesterday with, with Thomas Rhett, because we were, we were on the phone and, and I was telling him, I go, man, it's weird because I wasn't nervous at all for these songs to come out. There was no part of me that was anxious about it or was worrying how I just, was like, let's do it. Like, I felt good about it. Right. I was like, but now that it's worked and now that there's been success and momentum and people are watching, I'm freaking out. You know, what song will I put out next? And he said, he goes, you know, man, nobody wants you to evolve until you do. And then they'll start loving, you know? And so you just kind of got to, got to kind of follow your heart and be like, I love this song. I'm going to put it out and just kind of trust, trust that instinct. Um, but uh, it's definitely, it's definitely just a funny, funny balance of, um, trying to evolve as an artist and, and also kind of stay true to who you are and what you do best and, and uh, your writing. So, and as you evolve into more of the business side of this, I mean, you've been in the business for a while now, but as you evolve more into it, do you have to keep sort of that carefree attitude 
that you've had in the past and not get too wrapped up in the business of it and worrying about what people are going to think and ensuring that you're still doing what you love and what you want at the end of the day? Yeah, I, I mean, it's such a, it's, it's, it's so much of it is about the business. I mean, um, you know, honestly, there's an incredible artist and writers in this town that never get their chance because they never know how to balance the business or promotion or getting in front of the right people or building the right team. And so a lot of that for me uh, at the start was building the team around me. Right. And I really accredit so much of my success to um, the team that I was able to put in place and the foundation we built. I mean, I signed with my manager uh, four or five years ago and got my first publishing deal you know, four, four years ago. I was under a big machine for two years before we put out songs and uh and uh and it's funny in that time period of course i'm so impatient and uh just wanting to put out music wanting to get going and wanting to start um and so the one thing i learned once we did put out music and everything started was the lord's timing's perfect and i'm so thankful for the when we put out music how we did it because we were so ready and so prepared for when we did we we knew that we knew what steps one through 10 were, you know, we weren't just like, right. okay, we're going to do this and figure it out. Um, and so it was like, we're going to put out these two songs and then this one. And then, and then we got luck with, I hate Alabama coming out and the timing of all that. And that kind of lit, lit a fire and everything, but we were prepared for, if that happened, you know, here, we're going to put out the song the next week. And then, um, and then of course the EP comes out and um, people seem to love it. And so, so much of it is about trusting your team and their plan and, um, and that kind of gives me freedom to go write and go be creative and um, go imagine my show and, and build the live show and, and all, all that stuff. But, but man, also for me, man, I, I love, I love the game of the business and I love uh, getting to like um, really dream and, and, and plan and set goals for the next five, 10 years. And, um, and, and, but, but having, having the people around me to do that definitely helps. Right. And that business side of things, let's, talk about your introduction to the business. I want to follow your journey to this new music because you're only 21, but you have already paid your 10 years within the 10 year <laughs> town. You've paid yeah, your dues already right. because of when you started. And so let's talk about the age of five when you moved to Nashville with your family and your mom was the host of Nashville Music and More with Stormy Warren. And so she was out there interviewing basically the top country artists within the genre at that time. So when you were five or six and you moved to Nashville, what sort of was your thought around what she was doing and around music? Were you a music fan at that point or was it after you moved to Nashville that it really started to take hold of you? Yeah. So I got my first guitar. There really is no musical background in my family. Um, and other than my dad, you know, does a great karaoke version of Brick House. But beyond <laughs> that, uh, there's not too much, uh, you know, musical history in my family. But um, randomly for my fourth birthday, you know, my parents gave me a guitar. And, um, and they kind of tell the story of I was a super shy kid and I would kind of hide behind my mom's leg. Uh, you know, early on. And, and then they gave me this guitar on my birthday and all of a sudden it was like the spark came on. Um, and I just started like singing and, and playing this thing and, uh, and singing Kenny Chesney songs. The first song I ever sang was big star. And, oh, okay. um, it's a good first one. Exactly. And so, uh, and so I just started like singing all these songs at his birthday party and, and my parents were so confused. And, um, and so there was something, you know, there that kind of clicked and, 
Um, so I was always gravitated towards music, gravitated towards country music. So I've always been a lyric guy. You know, that's kind of my, what I love about music. Right. And um, and so then when we moved to Nashville, you know, I was, I was from Chattanooga. It's about uh, two hours south in, in Tennessee. And um, so when we moved to Nashville um, and really kind of settled down, my, fa- my family did, uh, my mom got a job working as an entertainment reporter and, and she loved country music. And so uh, she was working at the local NBC station. And anytime there would be, you know, an entertainment a job she would kind of raise her hand and, and go do it and right that led to her doing the show and so it was kind of perfect for me because my mom didn't work in the industry but she had a look inside of it and so that kind of led me to um just get to be around it a little bit get to um you know the day i had my first guitar lesson she was interviewing brad paisley and i went to his number one party or something i was seven. really um yeah and so just like uh, crazy stuff like that and, and and then of course the big thing was she was interviewing songwriters and uh, she was interviewing these people telling these stories about how they were writing these massive songs and um and these, and these huge hit writers and so uh, she would kind of bring those tapes home and uh because she had two you know young boys and so she wanted to be as home as much as she could so she would bring these two hour long form interviews with, you know, people like Tom Douglas and Craig Wiseman. And, um, and she would, uh, she would start to edit them at the house and I like oh, wouldn't okay. let her start without me. And I just sit, sit down there in her office and, uh, and just kind of take in every second, which led to me uh, starting to try to write my own run own songs. And, um, and then that also led to those same songwriters being able to encourage me, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, you know, they would, they would hear about, uh, how I was writing these songs at seven years old and, and they would just kind of encourage me. And, and it just always felt like that's an, that's a reasonable thing to do, you know? Right. I think there's yeah. so many people outside of Nashville, you know, grow up in all these places that they don't think that being a songwriter and getting paid to write songs is a reasonable job to pursue. And so for me, it was always just like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and let's talk about one of the first experiences with being a songwriter. I believe it was at the age of six, you went to the Opry with your parents and you saw Hal Ketchum sing Sure Love. And then you went home and you rewrote the chorus to that song. Now at the age of six, just talk about the feeling you had when you saw him play and what sort of triggered within you that you wanted to go home and rewrite these lyrics? Uh, first off, I love that you know your stuff so well. Uh, it's impressive. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was at Grand Old Opry uh, and How Catch and Play Sure Love. And uh, I just went home and I guess something about that melody stuck because I, I just, you know, kept the melody and, and rewrote the lyrics. And um, the moment I remember that really triggered things was me playing that song for my mom in the living room and, and, and for my parents and just their reaction and their kind of amazement to it. Um, just that fueled this encouragement in me to just want to keep doing that, keep getting that reaction out of people and keep uh, wanting to make people feel that in what I had done lyrically. It's funny. My mom is recently like this week, she's uncovered all of these uh, journals and school projects from like dating back to like second grade oh really and um and literally since second grade in like all of these school projects it's me writing about wanting to be a songwriter um and it's and it's just so funny and and even there was like a kindergarten class and the teacher did a progress report and it was like it wrote like 
Connor often makes up songs in his heads and sing, sings them all day or whatever. And so there's always just something in me, I, I, I guess, that just uh, they kind of had that ability. And I always say my story is one of having a, a gift and ability to do something and being in the perfect environment to foster that. Um, and so I really do feel so blessed by that. And so at the age of nine, you went in for a meeting at BMI. Now, the age of nine, that feels young. But then I was thinking about it. My son is seven and he's in grade two. So when he's nine, he's going to be in grade four. And so when you put that to it, like you're in grade four, grade five, whatever you were in there. I don't know if you skipped a grade maybe, but you're that age, you're in that grade and you're going into BMI for a meeting. Now, at that point, did you know what it all meant? Did you understand what was happening? I don't know if I did or not. I, I um, it, it's I, it's wild when I look back on it too. Uh, I was texting with Clay Bradley yesterday, um, who is now the head of BMI Nashville, and he was who signed me, or who you know asked me, said, "Man, I, I really believe in you, and I, I, I want you to sign." And yeah, I sent him a picture of me and him at the age of nine, and I just said, "Man, you're my first believer in town. Like, pretty cool." Um, and, it, and it's a wild story, but, um, you know, Clay heard about, uh, about me and that I was writing songs and, and he just kind of asked me to come in just to encourage me, I think. And just, uh, he just thought it was wild that this nine-year-old was, you know, writing these country songs. And, and uh, so I, I go in and I play him some songs and, um, and he goes, he said, man, he said, these songs are better than half the people we have signed here. And uh, it wasn't because the songs were good at all. The songs were, you know, I, I was nine. So the songs were what <laughs> yeah, they were. Exactly. But, but, uh, but I knew what I was doing because uh, they had verses and choruses and a bridge. Like I knew what like kind of the outline of, of, of what, I, what I was going. And so um, I think he just saw something in me. And uh, man, as a nine-year-old, the encouragement that that was, was massive. I mean, um like for someone to look at me who's you know uh you know a, a leader in nashville and say i see something in you and i want you to go ahead and sign uh to be a mine and i want to help mentor you and encourage you um and so uh as a as a third fourth grader in my head i was like well i'm a professional songwriter now you know <laughs> right, i have yeah. to work i have to write songs every day and so um, I would just come home from school and I'd write songs till baseball practice. And, um, and so that's kind of just always what I did. And uh, it's, it, it is such a wild story to look back on, like, cause you hear that and you're like, well, he must've been some child prodigy. It's like, no, like I, I wasn't, I was just, that's what I love to do. And um, I was just, just kind of did it. And then these doors opened and I got encouraged. And, um, and so I, I feel so massively, massively best because it just gave me such a head start on everybody. Um, yeah. to be writing songs that young. Um, so remember that time I signed my publishing deal and I was getting in rooms with these, you know, massive songwriters. I was, I felt prepared um, in, in a weird way. Well, when you signed with BMI, what did that look like? Like, what was that all based on? Were you getting into rooms and writing with people or was it sort of a development thing where, where uh, Clay was just sort of working with you or what did that look like? It was, I mean, it was very introductory level of just like, hey, we believe in you and uh, we would love to go ahead and have you a part of this family. Um, and uh, Clay, uh, I would meet with Clay maybe, you know, once or twice a year and just just encourage me. And then um, 
And then he set me up uh, with some meetings with just other writers, just for them to kind of sit there and listen to some songs and once again, encourage. And um, so it wasn't like we were setting up rights and really, you know, starting the whole thing, but oh, okay. it was just kind of a, kind of an introductory level of just, um, Hey, we believe in you and, and we think this is a cool story. And uh, so we'd love to have you part of the family. Right. And now you talk about writing before going to baseball practice in 2013. Did you compete at the little league world series? That's right. That's right. It's my, it's my peak. <laughs> and so at that age, what is that like? You're a songwriter who signed a BMI. You're a baseball player at a very high level playing a little league world series. And so what was sort of your mindset as a kid back then? You talked about yeah. before you got your guitar, not necessarily being that confident, but then all of a sudden <laughs> you're like a professional at two things. Like, were you a pretty cocky kid at that point, just because of the talent you had? <laughs> I I would like to say I've never been I've never like been too cocky, but I remember uh, I remember it was, it was going into my seventh grade year, and I always laugh. I say I peaked right then because I was playing the Little League World Series on ESPN, and uh, you know was on the Sports Center, and they even played clips of me uh, uh, singing a song I wrote, you know, oh, really? on Sports Center and talking about wanting to be a songwriter. And they did interviews about me signing a BMI and they did all that stuff, you know, on ESPN. Well, at the same time, I'm, I'm missing like the first two weeks of school in August, uh, with the way the schedule. And so I was missing school. I was playing baseball in sports center, singing on, uh, ESPN. Like, and so I got, I got to, I got to school. Uh, finally we were done and I got back to school and I just remember for, for a while there, I was the king of middle school, but uh, I think that lasted two weeks and then uh, my friends were ragging on me again. But, um, you know, it's funny, man, and, and this just kind of goes, you know, all throughout my journey is that growing up in Nashville in the same way that I thought being a songwriter was an attainable dream, no one cared. Uh, right. I had a publishing deal in high school. Uh, I signed my publishing deal. I was making money when I was 16. Um, I was writing with all these massive songwriters. I was going on the road with Sam Hunt. No one cared. And I love that, you know, it, it like that's was the, the best thing possible. Um, Cause it's just like when you grow up in Nashville, your neighbor has a record deal and right. your dad's best, you know, your best friend's dad is a record deal. Um, and so it's just not, it, it is what it is. And, and I, like I said, I was just always that guy. I was always the guy that uh, was playing baseball and then also wrote songs and, and uh, I tried to be intentional to never make it like, you know, never try to, uh, show myself too much or, or you know try to be like a, a look at me type of guy and right so, uh, it was uh, you know I feel I feel super blessed that uh, I just was able to have you know have a super normal high school life and, and friends that supported me but they didn't care whether I ever had success or not and was there any part of you that wanted to chase ball for a little bit and maybe try and go to college and chase that for a bit before you started your music career or was it the focus always country music mm -hmm. is going to be what i'm going to do yeah i mean i'm sure there was a you know especially you know early middle school early uh, high school definitely college baseball you know was a part of, of the vision um but by the time that really you start looking at colleges and looking at what's next for me i kind of already figured out you know i, don't, I was already getting my publishing deal and already kind of realized I wasn't going to go to college, you know, nor did I want to really put in the time and effort to play college baseball. Right. But, yeah. um, you know, my senior year uh, of high school, 
uh, had my publishing deal and was going to school and my school was amazing. I went to school in, in Nashville called Brentwood Academy that um, I owe so much gratitude to, to because they uh, worked with me so well and just like really uh, believed in me and encouraged me. And um, I would go to school until uh, about 1130, then I'd leave and then uh, we'd go write songs on Music Row at 12. Then I'd come back and play in the baseball game at four. And I never went to any practices that senior year, but I'd only come back for the game. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And uh, and there was something about that. And I really do think this was like the Lord's blessing because, you know, if I was doing that and I was playing terrible, you know, everybody would hate me and the team would, you know, say, screw this kid. Uh, but I literally had the best year of my life. I, I, I hit better than I'd ever hit. I played better. And so uh, it, it was it was just a, like that's such a special season of my life that, you know, those, those, four, those four months of getting to do, do kind of it all and, um, and, and live out all those dreams at once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And within the writing and the creation of music, when you got to your sen- senior year, now you signed with Tape Room Music and you started working with Ashley Gorley and Zach Crowell. Now, what have they meant for your journey? How important have they been since you started working with them? everything um so my i got um zach is kind of is has been my guy from from day one so the story really goes i was 16 and i was on a family vacation and uh this was kind of in the height of the sam hunt montevallo kind of days where which uh zach produced all that stuff and wrote uh you know most of it and just had a big big hand in that and oh okay um, I was on this trip and, and uh, I listened to this podcast to Zach and, um, and was listening to this record. And I was like, dude, this is some of the best, best music, you know, I've ever heard and, and was so fascinated by it and was so fascinated by Zach in particular because uh, the sound and hearing him on this podcast. And he talked a lot um, about his faith and I was just really, really uh, impressed by him. And, um, and so on this trip, uh, I did a I did a little cover that I posted on Instagram of yep. me singing me singing Cop Car, which Zach wrote and and, and produced for Keith. Well, uh, that night after I posted, I'm I'm sitting at dinner with my family, and I just verbally say out loud, super random. I just was like, you know, top five people in Nashville that I would want to work with, like Zach Crowell's on that list. Like I just I think he's amazing. Uh, I I promise you, the very next night I get an email. Uh, out of absolutely nowhere from uh, a guy named uh, Brad Belanger, who's now my manager, who managed Sam Hunt. And he says, uh, he says, hey, Connor, uh, someone across the video would love to uh, love to get to meet with you and talk about your goals. Uh, well, the next week I meet with uh, meet with Brad and it turned out that Zach was the one who saw the video, sent it over to Brad. Um, and so eight days after I spoke that into existence, I was sitting at Zach Crow's house. Uh, and we started working together wow. uh, for for the next five years, and um, and so that was just so uh, so massive. Zach Zach kind of believed in me, and then we just started developing it. And so we just really spent the time to figure out my sound, and you know, let my my voice develop, and and uh, get me in these these rooms, and and write songs, and and everything. And so between Zach and Brad, you know, that those are my two people and, and my whole team, and. Um, and Zach has, has a hand in everything beyond uh, just a producer. Um, but then that, you know, Zach, Zach led to uh, Ashley and, and Ashley 
has also been awesome and just you know, he's the biggest country songwriter of all time so it doesn't hurt right. to work with him <laughs> and you talk about zach helping you to develop your sound i was going to ask you about that because you know starting from the age of nine and being more of a songwriter what was it like to kind of switch gears and start to develop yourself as an artist and find who you were and find what lane you wanted to be in yeah you know i think there was always a part of me that had the artist thing in there and uh and so as we really got uh, started on that uh, i think it was a long journey of figuring out what my sound was i i don't think it really clicked until uh, 2020 right uh, where everything kind of aligned and and my look and my sound and who i was as a man kind of came together i mean we um we spent a lot of years of just writing songs and you you see the evolution of the sound through the demos and the and the work tapes and what i was talking about i mean i was i was growing up and so you know those early songs are about uh high school and prom and homecoming and and uh and then you kind of graduate and the songs mature and the sound matured and um and so it, it really kind of took me coming into my own as a writer um and like i said it, it wasn't until about a year ago that i think it all kind of came together um and it's funny man that was such a product of COVID. i mean mm-hmm. i was getting ready to put out music and get going um, and i was super anxious and eager and then COVID happens and uh i was so disappointed man i was so just like what do i do now and I had to look at myself and just be like, I just got to work your butt off and just get like, make the most out of this. And so it was in that year that I found who I was, who I wanted to be as an artist, as a person, as a writer. And I'm so, so, so thankful for that time. And, and now my advice to any new artist uh, would be, hey, when you think that you have the song, wait another year, like just wait another year and just keep writing because it's only going to get better and you want to be so, so prepared for when you finally get to start because you only get, you know, one introduction. Right. And yeah, I saw you were in the studio at least as of 2018. And so if the pandemic wouldn't have happened and maybe you would have rushed some music, would it have been a very different experience? Do you think a very different sound? It would have been completely different. And, uh, and I like, I can't even overstate that. Like, I feel so, so, so thankful and so blessed. Um, and really just like the Lord was kind of watching over me of like, um, to give me that time to just to keep working and, f- and figure it all out. Because the only song that we had, that, that we would have had when we started putting out music was somewhere in a small town of my EP. Oh, okay. Because um, because that that was kind of one of the first songs that we wrote. That was like, okay, that one's a little better, um, and uh, and so you know, there's these songs that I listen back to now that I'm like, I was so excited to put out, and I, uh, you know, I thought this was the best thing ever. And I listen back now, and I'm like, thank God that's not on the internet. <laughs> um, and so uh, I, I I feel, and and I remember sitting down with Zach and and Brad kind of right before. Uh, when we kind of in the new year and we were getting ready and, and they said, Hey, we don't think the songs are there yet. And I remember uh, being so disappointed and so like, yeah. Uh, and, and just, uh, and upset. And and I look back now and I'm, I'm thankful that they were able to give me that, you know, tough love at, at that moment and, and having people, you know, always be honest with me is, is, is a big thing. 
right? And throughout 2020 and 2021, you did work hard. You did write a lot. You posted a lot of demos. And so coming into the album, what was the process like of sifting through everything and picking the songs that you wanted? Yeah. Uh, we we had the we had the the, uh, the blessing of having too many good songs, and uh, I'll take that all day long. Um, <laughs> I mean, down to the wire, I was like, I want I want, I want to change this, and I wish this song was on there, which we could. Um, and so, uh, I mean, all the songs are just different, and, and and to me, what what this EP was, and I kind of love that it's gotten you know this much positive reaction because it wasn't even like we we said, hey, we're gonna pick our six best best songs and put them out. What it was to me was it said, hey, this is my introduction. So let's pick six songs that show a different side of who I am as a writer, as a person, as an artist. Um, and let's and let's get those out. So, uh, you know, College Town, I wrote that song by myself yeah. on an airplane uh, in like 30 minutes. And that was kind of the, the idea was like, you know, I need, I need a song for these live shows. And, um, you know, I'm playing all these college bars and so kind of writing towards that. Mm -hmm. um, and then also just like I was able to write my my own story in there. Um, so that felt like a great introduction to kind of the first track. And then um, somewhere in a small town that wasn't going to be on the EP. But then last minute we put it on there because, you know, I start my live show uh, on the road with somewhere in a small town. So we needed to have that song out. Uh, and that was the one I was really questioning. It's funny. I was like the whole time I was like, God, I wish I could put another song on there and take someone small town off. But. You know, it doesn't make sense and i thought that was by far going to be the weakest song and it, it's come out and like i think that's the fan favorite so it shows you <laughs> what i know but um but yeah i mean it was definitely kind of a that was kind of the only thing that i was worried about was is are these the right group of songs but um, yeah i mean I, i'm looking at this my whole career and kind of not just a you know this one decision but really kind of yeah, how do we build a career over the next five ten years and so putting out an EP that really just kind of showed you, okay, who, who is Connor Smith, uh, but, but, you know, before we even go any further. Right. Yeah. And having a song like College Town that you wrote yourself, it's your personal song. What does that mean as an artist to be able to do that because co-writing is such a big thing and getting the best song that you can? Is that pretty cool to have one that you were able to do yourself? Yeah, I think there's some pride in there for sure. If we're honest, like the little, uh, you know, you're proud to have one that you were able to write by yourself and and uh, kind of show uh, what you can do as a songwriter with no one else in a room. I mean, the, I, I freaking love the the brilliance and the art of co-writing. And I'm so thankful uh, for for that and how much better it made me as a writer. I mean, you sit in rooms with these massive country songwriters and you can't uh, not become a better writer. So uh getting able to kind of create these songs with, with these people that are now my friends. So now to get to share kind of these songs with them too, you know, people that, that are writing these songs, you know, one of my best friends in the world is, is the writer on my first single uh, and learn from it. Oh, okay. And so we get to share this journey going up the chart. But, you know, there's a little pride in you that, that, that loves the fact that you got, you know, one song in there that you wrote by yourself and uh, you can kind of take full credit for it. That's awesome. And you were able to have the CD release show at Whiskey Jam, I believe. Now, what does that mean to be able to have your CD release at sort of this iconic venue within the city and have it be your hometown, have your friends come out, have your family come out? 
That was one of the most special nights. Uh, I, it was one of those nights that, you know, I will remember this for the rest of my life. Like, I, I'll look back on this 10 years down the road. To be able to kind of host my own Whiskey Jam night uh, on a Monday night, we had just gotten off the road. We had played four shows in four days in a van going all over and then come back to Nashville and play our fifth show on the, on the fifth day on a Monday night. Um, it was exhausting, but but what was cool about it was, you know, they just said, hey, it's your takeover and I do whatever you want. And, and so I just had all of my best friends kind of on the line and open. Um, and didn't know what to expect, but we showed up. And um, when I tell you it was packed out, uh, it was it was absurd. I mean, line wrapping around the building, and oh, really? uh, and you know Ward, who runs Whiskey Jam, he was like, "Man, that's a that's a once in a year type of show. Like that was was a big deal." And and um, and I think it was at max capacity by like eight thirty. I didn't go on till eleven. Uh, and so it was just like one of those nights it was like me to see your hometown show up for you like that and to see people appreciate the music so much that, that, that they'll come out on a Monday night and then to do it with my best friends and, and watch all of them get up there and just absolutely crush it. It was just so special. I mean, we got up there. I was uh, everybody does three songs at Whiskey Jam. I was going to do five just because, you know, it was it was my takeover night. Right. Um, and we ended up, we were up there for like eight songs and they just like wouldn't let us leave the stage. So uh, we had the, we had an absolute blast. And it was, uh, it was a, it, when you, when you want to talk about momentum, that was one of those nights that you felt the momentum uh, in Nashville kind of, kind of shift around you. And, and that, that's a special thing. And you've heard yourself on the radio and that must be pretty cool. But I wanted to talk about sort of the other side of that. I saw your buddy, Jake Kinney posted a video on Instagram of him like tearing out to his truck because he knew you were on the radio and just the <laughs> excitement he had. So what does that mean? Know. Not only for you to hear it on the radio, but to see the excitement of your friends and family when that's happening. Yeah. That's the most special thing, man. I think I, I have this quote that I, that I always say to my people and I'm like, hey, listen, any, anytime something good happens and, and they're like, man, congrats. I'm like, hey, it's a motor. It's a it's a bus, not a motorcycle. Uh, because that's what it really feels like. I like it's all about the people in my life and getting to grow and build it with them. And, um, you know, Jake, for example, is one of my closest friends. Uh, but Jake has had such a, a part in what I've, I've done. You know, he was one of the guys. He, he, uh, he's a freshman at, at the University of Georgia. But uh, his biggest dream is is to work in music. And, and he's he's just he's got the brain for it and is is, is so uh, amazing at kind of uh, understanding that world. And so uh, he was the one who really over COVID him and I just like got together and go, all right, we can't, you know, do anything. So what do we do? And we kind of built this whole social media strategy that really grew and really worked. And, uh, and so he was kind of a right hand man in that. And so for him to hear it on the radio uh, in Athens, Georgia, um, after all of the work we had put in to see his genuine like joy and reaction, Man, it made me so happy uh, and it filled me with so much joy because that's what it's all about. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you have all the success in the world and, you know, you win every entertainer of the year and have a thousand number ones, but uh, you've lost who you are and you've lost the people that got you there and the people that love you beyond any sort of success, then, you know, what's it really worth? And so uh, it's been so cool. I was on the Today Show last week and yeah, uh, I think I think that made my mom's life. <laughs> um, and so watching her reaction to that and just, uh, you know, every little victory, 
Um, it's been so special because you know, this last year, it's, it's felt like I've had a birthday party like once a month, just always something to celebrate. Um, but to have amazing, amazing people in my life around me uh, who love me, uh, to be able to celebrate that with, man, that that's all I care about. And one of the next huge things that's going to happen is going on tour with Thomas Rhett. Now, before we get to that, I know that you have basically bought a ticket to every headline show that he has had in the Nashville area. But I want to talk about the one specifically at the age of 16 when you went on a date. And I heard you talk about the fact it didn't go well. But I, uh, want, you, I want you to elaborate. Talk about that yeah. event and what happened. Give me the details. Oh, gosh. Uh, I will say I'm still friends with this girl, but... Uh, she won't listen to this, so it's all good. Um, but uh, so I go on this date uh, at 16 with this girl uh, that I really liked. And we've been kind of talking for, for three months. And we go out to this date with some friends. I, I, I had a baseball game uh, that night. So I had to, like, rush from this baseball game to get to this concert. It's Thomas Rhett's first headlining show uh, at Ascend Amphitheater in Nashville. And, and uh you know, we're 16, we're awkward, and uh, we didn't really know what to, you know, how dating worked or, you know, emotions even. Uh, right. And, uh, and so I, I remember, uh, I think we probably, you know, slow danced a little bit to Die Happy Man, and it's probably awkward or something. And, uh, you know, we just, did, we didn't crush it. And I think, I think the next, that was a Friday night, and I think the next Monday at school, like we broke up and it ended. So, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of our last, uh, rendezvous, but, uh, I, I laugh and I go, I was like, is, is I, you know, 16 and then five years later, I'm opening up for him and, uh, and, and I love it, but, uh, man, it's a wild thing. I mean, I've been a massive fan of Thomas Rhett my whole life. Uh, you know, he, I've, he's kind of blowing up while I was in high school and I remember where I was the first time I heard Marry Me. I remember uh, playing 16 in the car with my mom for the first time when I was 16 and her looking at me and saying, did he write this about you? Um, <laughs> and um, and so to have a guy like that kind of come along into my life and be such a massive supporter of me um, and such a massive uh man, just mentor. I mean, beyond music, just in life. I mean, the, the conversations I'm able to have with him uh, are, are less about, hey, what do you think of this song? And what should I do? And this EP cover, it's, it's, hey, man, like, when you're when I'm out on the road, and there's all this craziness around me, and all these people looking for my attention, like, how do I handle that? You know, how do I go out into these um, insane environments where the world revolves around me? and not lose myself and not lose who I want to be and, and the morals and how I want to live my life and uh, what I want to be known for. And so being able to have someone who's, who's done it and done it in uh, uh, what, I, what I really think is one of the best ways possible um, and have him be able to speak life into me and, and kind of uh, just speak truth uh, has been massive. So super thankful for that. Super thankful I'm going to go on the road with him and kind of learn more from him and learn how he runs his tour and his team and his people and uh, him as a leader. So, uh, man, what a, what a cool thing. And, you know, that's one of those doors that I could have never opened myself. So I'm thankful for it. That's awesome. And that question of how do I not lose myself when all of this comes crashing in on me? Have you found that answer yet? Do you, do you know the <laughs> nah. answer? No, absolutely not. Um, 
you know, that's just, you get trial by fire. You can never be, you know, the one thing I've learned is that you can never really be prepared for it. I, my prayer has always been, Hey Lord, make my, um, my roots deeper than my influences wide and, and, uh, continue to just kind of walk in that, you know, the best advice that I've gotten is, is from Thomas. And he said, he said, man, you know what? It's as crazy as you want it to be. And it's as crazy as you make it. And, um, you, you have the decision of how you want to, uh, build your life and your career and what it is that you have the world at your fingertips, you know, naturally. Right. And, and so, you have the decision of, of, of you have to make the decision of you know who are you going to be inside of that and how are you going to build your circle and so it's just about putting the right people around you putting the people that are going to hold you accountable um putting the people that know who you are and what how you want to act and, and making sure you're you're living that way and um and then also uh being able to um take criticism and when people say uh, tell you no and tell you that you're acting like a fool. You got to be able to listen uh, <laughs> and not just want to, you know, get mad and kick those people out. So um, it's, uh, I think, I think for me, uh, my relationship with, with TR is just showing me that it's possible. And, um, and so between, between him and my mama's prayers, you know, we're doing, we're doing all right so far, but uh, it's a, it's a wild thing. That's awesome. And I know you're going to be on the road quite a bit with him this year, but I know you also have a lot of music that you would probably like your fans to hear. So is there a balance there? Are you going to be working on music along with touring this year so that you're ready to pump another EP maybe out soon? Man, I'm more hungry to write than ever right now. I mean, I, uh, I, I feel so inspired right now and just in a really healthy place to, uh, I feel like every song I'm writing right now is, you know, it's really hitting a spot and I found like a groove. And so I'm stoked and thankfully, you know, um, going to get to write out on the road with, 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 uh, you know, having writers come out on, on the tour and, and get to work with them a bunch. But I mean, any day I'm in town, uh, I'm usually writing a song and, and working with people and, uh, and, and I'm just, I'm just super inspired right now. I just feel, um, super excited about what's next. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hustling on every end, uh, just because, uh, man, I, I feel such a blessing to get to do my career and start my career at 21, uh, where I'm a single dude who doesn't have a wife and a kid and, and, right, and can yeah. really just kind of put all of his energy and effort into music right now. And so, uh, it's, it's a, it's a special little season of life. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Connor for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to go check out his new EP, Didn't Go Too Far, and catch him on the road this summer with Thomas Rhett. Please also be sure to check out our website at countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Just go to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. Thanks once again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.